Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline right now. Matthew Paris of the Washington Times covers the Commanders, of course, coming up on Sunday afternoon. The Commanders in town. And, yeah, it was kind of weird how the storylines have been prevalent and then faded. Been prevalent and then faded and now are even more prevalent. Uh, so who's the better quarterback coming up on Sunday, in your opinion, right now? Just by the eyeball test of which you have no eyeball test results from Sam Ellinger. The Heineke-Ellinger game, will we reference it as such? you think Matthew when this game's done <laughs> yeah I mean it's not the uh the Wentz Matt Ryan showdown that we we're all expecting heck I mean if you had told me that Matt Ryan was going to be benched or was injured or anything then I was hoping for a Wentz uh Nick Foles reunion that would have been a lot of fun to cover but alas you know now we get uh Taylor Heineke and uh Sam Ellinger so you know it should be something to see I guess <laughs> all right so Heineke What's he, what's he look like as, as far as being able to get the team down the field? Give me the pros and the cons of that commander's quarterback in there for Carson Wentz. Yeah, so the pros, are the, there are a couple. There, one, the guys really seem to respond to him. He, he's kind of the emotional heartbeat of the team. Uh, but And how that affects on the football field, they know how to play with him. You know, but last Sunday was his 17th start. Uh, I guess eight, 18th game in the commander's uniform. He knows their system inside and out, and they've kind of found an identity of how to play with him. They, they're really focused on running the ball. They, um, they, they take some shots down the field, but his ability to scramble outside the pocket, I think, helps keep plays alive. So, you know, they're, they're a bit of a scrappy offense with him. Now, the downsides are because of the physical limitations. He doesn't have the strongest arm in the world. Um, he kind of can get the ball out too late at, at times. And, um, yeah, it's uh, you could do worse than Taylor Heineke as a quarterback, but I also understand why uh, teams have looked for upgrades over him or, uh, I guess, team in this case with uh, the commanders. So Matthew Paris of the Washington Times covers the commanders with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Week 8, Larceny Bourbon Locks, Luna Zool Tequila Shots with the legendary Slippery Noodle on this Thursday afternoon. Come by and grab some free samples. All right, defensively, I was on with a guy yesterday named Big Doug. Big Doug has a podcast. So I was, I was making biscuits yesterday morning, and I was on with Big Doug, and we were talking about how defensively up front – that may be the highest quality as far as a category is concerned for this football team, being able to get after the opposition's quarterback without having to blitz. How good have they been, and how good do you expect them to be against an offensive line that was supposed to be one of the best and in actuality this season has been one of the worst? Yeah, no, I expect them to have a huge day, frankly. I mean, this line has been really good. They've done so without Chase Young. Uh, the number one, the number two overall pick in the draft a few years ago, but they still have some really good players up front there with Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, their defensive tackles. They really kind of uh, 
are what stand out about that defensive line. They generate so much pressure from the interior. And then on the edge, you have Montez Sweat, who's having a really nice season as well. If you look at the, the number of quarterback hits a player's had this season, he's right up there among the league leaders. So, he, you know, he's been really strong together. They have worked a they've worked really well together and it's been a bit of a bounce back from the, for them this year because in 2020 they were one of the best units in the NFL they were very disappointing last year and now this year it's, it's been a bit of a return to form uh yeah i what do you think this team has like you know right now below 500 obviously you look around the NFC and you see teams around you within that division certainly getting better. And the Eagles have been fantastic. The Cowboys look like they're going to be getting better as well. Um, what do you think this team has to offer, even before, I guess, Wentz ultimately returns to be under center? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's their defensive identity if they can have that. Now, they look terrible the first two games of the season defensive-wise. But I think with them, if – you know, if Washington can keep being close in games, if they can go to this grinded-out style, then they're going to have a chance. If they fall behind by 14 early, then it's going to be much harder for them to, to climb back out of it. So they're really a team that kind of has a thin margin for error. They really do need um, things to kind of work out their way, and that's a tough way to consistently win in the NFL. But as long as they're in it, they, they can challenge some teams because they do have some talent. The Daniel Snyder situation, we'll get into what Jim Merzay had to say about it last week at the NFL owners' meetings in the fall at NYC, but how much does his ownership and how that is viewed by the commander fans, how much has that taken away over the years and certainly right now with the overall fan enjoyment, viewing experience, following experience, how much has he taken away from that, that enjoyment overall? I mean, it, I think it's undeniable his impact that it's had over the franchise and the decaying of it. I mean, you look back at the 90s and those sorts of things of the, the passion that this fan base ha- had. And I've been covering the team for six years. And um, it, it's even in that span, it seems like the interest has waned even further and further. Now, their attendance is up a little bit this year, but they still rank last in the NFL. And it, it is just. It, there's just always so much drama, so much chaos going on with him personally that it does seem to to wear down on people. And then, let's face it, the product hasn't been very good, and that's probably the bigger reason. Yeah, it's funny. I look back at this Washington franchise, and you go back to the 80s, and seemingly throughout that decade, always, you know, the afternoon game on CBS because – you knew everybody was going to watch, and you're looking live at RFK Stadium, and you know Joe Gibbs and Art Monk, and you know the Fun Bunch, and you know from Theismann to Rippin, and you know defensively you know, Charles Mann and Dexter Manley, Daryl Green, the Hogs on the offensive line, and and now it just seems like that just any interest whatsoever has disappeared for them over the years. Yeah, no, it really has. I mean. Uh, like I said, they rank last in attendance. Um, they scaled down the stadium. You know, at one time, FedEx Field had conceded up to, you know, north of 90,000, and now capacity is around 62, 63,000. So they've taken out a lot of seats over the years, and that's because of the lack of interest. Incredible. All right, what do you think? How do you think this game goes coming up on Sunday, Matthew? 
You know, I like Washington's chances. I, you know, maybe Ellinger provides the Colts uh, a spark and the offensive line will perform better with his mobility. But, you know, right now I really like Washington's ability to, to get after and create pressure. And, you know, they have a pretty strong running game with Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson. They're really kind of a one-two punch. Uh, Robinson's actually the lead back and Gibson's more of a change of pace, but they were really effective against um, Green Bay last week. And then Terry McLaurin is having a pretty nice yeah. season, and Heineke is, knows how to get him the ball. So, you know, it's going to be a homecoming for uh, Terry McLaurin. He's from Indianapolis, and uh, maybe he has a big day. But, uh, you know, the Colts do have a nice secondary, so we'll see. Let me tell you about Terry, Terry McLaurin. I was actually – I think I was doing some of those high school championships that he was a part of with Cathedral. Just an absolute incredible player – and I know people say this all the time, and it, it just kind of becomes uh, fluff a little bit, right? But an even better dude. Just a great dude and an incredible player. Kind of took that chip on his shoulder about where he was drafted. Man, he has taken that thing to the next level, has he not? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's so, he, he is very just humble about it, though. I mean, you know, I asked him yesterday, did you think you could, um, that you were going to get drafted by the Colts? Were you hoping for that? And he said, like, he thought it was a possibility, but they drafted actually Paris Campbell, his college yeah. roommate, and said he was so happy for Paris Campbell and that this was, you know, it, it ended up working out because the commanders were the, the place that he was supposed to be. And I also asked him about, you know, that this offseason when he was working out, when he was working through his contract, that did he notice Colts fans wanted to trade for him? And uh, he said he did notice it, but he never thought that was actual possibility because he was confident that the contractor is going to get done. But it is, you know, he has a lot of respect for Indianapolis. He went as Marvin Harrison for Halloween twice. That that was his childhood team, and he's really fired up for this one. One more thing with you, Matthew, before I let you go. I was a, um, I was a big fan of signing Charles Leno Jr. when he was available. A lot of people around here said I was stupid. How has Charles Leno Jr. performed at left tackle and let's compare that to the left tackle currently of the Colts, which is Dennis Kelly, which has been Bernard Ryman, which has been Matt Pryor, which has been basically a disaster. And going back to last year, even to Eric Fisher, how has Leno been offensively a left tackle holding things down for this team? Yeah, he's been really solid. He's very workmanlike. You know, he's not the best left tackle in the league. You know, actually, Washington probably had that in Trent Williams, but they had a, a massive hole after they, they traded Trent Williams away and they kind of got by in the 2020 season on, on patchwork with it. They used four different left tackles. And since Leno arrived, um, you know, he, he, they really only had kind of one. It's just been him. It, it's, you know, he, he's very kind of workmanlike. He's earned a contract extension and he, he's been a nice solution for them given the, the you know, it, it looked like they were going to be in a disaster after they had traded uh, Trent Williams away, but it ended up working kind of just fine for them. Yeah, I was on board for that around here, but uh, it fell on deaf ears. And uh, <laughs> when you look at hindsight, that probably would have worked around here. Hey, one quick final thing. Sam sure. Howell is a guy that uh, evidently a lot of Commander fans would would like to see. Where is that average as far as who wants to see Heineke play and who wants to see how play? I think it just depends on the half in terms of how Heineke is performing during the first half. Everyone wanted to see how play in the second half. I don't think those people were nearly as loud. Um, you know, there is some interest there with 
Sam Howell and seeing how he's come along. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think he's nearly ready yet. Um, he, and he was a fifth-round pick. He, his footwork has a ways to go in the NFL. And I, I, even though Howell has that potential, I do think people are generally okay with Heineke because he is such a fan favorite here. I mean, the fan base really goes. They, they like him more than Carson Wentz. Um, just anecdotally, it seems like. So uh, I do think they're excited to, to watch Heineke, even if there is maybe a ceiling there. Matthew, I appreciate you hopping on here today. Enjoy the game coming up on Sunday and uh, have fun the rest of the season, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Matthew Paris of the Washington Times on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. The meantime, Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. From CBS 4 and Fox 59, he broke the story earlier this week about Sam Ellinger being elevated to the starting quarterback and the benching of the 37-year-old Matt Ryan. It is Mike Chappell with us. Mike, I've said this because I had to make our our picks on the game on Sunday today. And while I hope it works, while I hope that it turns into some sort of Disney movie one of these days, that everybody can enjoy because we know this, the Colts fans need some enjoyment. It's been few and far between over the years. I just can't honestly believe that it's going to work until I see it work once. Is that a fair assessment going into Sunday with Sam Ellinger under center? Yeah, I'm on that train with you. I, you know, you know, Tom Brady and Kurt Warner, those are great stories, uh, but boy, they just don't come around often. Uh, I mean, once every 25 years. Yeah, I. Everybody's talked high of Sam, as you, and for good reason. I mean, he's he's done things the right way. He had a great preseason, which okay, at least he had a great preseason. But he, he, he he's not played. He, he's not played, but eighteen snaps, no passes, and all that. And and until you play, you just don't know. I I just it, it's hard to get super optimistic. Is great. But to have realistic expectations when you've got nothing to base it on other than practice running the scout team in preseason, I I want more. I think it would be great if he goes out there and not lights it up to 300 yards, but but just does his job, makes the throws, sort of manages, but more than that. And they come out of there and they win 23-20. I think that would be great. And then we'll see where this thing goes because the alternative is not – is not very encouraging. You know, I'm, I'm not sure how you go back to Matt Ryan after you're sort of, you know, there's a lot of nasty phrases you could use, but they, they threw him away. They just did. Uh, and Nick Foles has been sort of yo-yoed around from, you know, three to two, now back to two. So it, 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 it needs to work for a lot of reasons. I hope it works for the kid, kid, for, 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 for Sam. Uh, but history says, you know, tap the brakes a little bit. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59, he's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You know, I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. The, the Colts are kind of fortunate here, and here's why. They're a 3-3-1 team um, and a fan base that still is hoping that they start consistently playing better. You make a quarterback change. Normally, if you're talking about 31 other NFL markets out there, they're probably all suggesting, yeah, this team is tanking, this team is surrendering, the white flag is up, they're done. But here, 
the Colts have sold this fan base on, hey, this is new, even though you haven't seen it. We believe in it. We believe it's going to work, and this is the path that we're going to take. So they are kind of fortunate with that regard because most of these NFL cities would say, all right, well, this team is done before Halloween. Well, and, and there's a segment of the fan base that's been calling for Sam as well. Yes. So yes. It, it, it's not like the, 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 the team's shoving him down their throats. There, there's people, people, you know, people, media, all, all of everyone. You always like the guy that's not playing. It's just the way it is. You love, you know, if the starting quarterback is struggling, you, you want the backup because he's not the starting quarterback. So, and but, but keep in mind that they're 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 not uh, they're not making this move. I don't think because they want to. They sort of have to. Well, first of all, they have to because because Ryan wouldn't have been ready to play this week. I mean, he, he said, well, well, maybe it would have been close, and you never know, and all this, but. There's there's a very 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 real chance that he the shoulder wouldn't have been ready for him to play. Well, they took that out of the mix when when Frank said that even even without the injury, this move would have been made. So it, it's just it's just difficult to, to to wrap your arms around it when we've been around long enough to know that generally these things don't work out the way you hope, you know, maybe the fact that he's new and, and fresh and brings a totally different approach to the position than what Matt Ryan did, there, there will be an, an immediate boost. Sort of like they threw the ball 58 times against Jacksonville and it worked because maybe Jacksonville really wasn't prepared for it. Well, then Tennessee was, and then it didn't work so well. So we'll see. Uh, and what's got to ha- what's got to happen is everybody around him has got to play better. I mean, I, I kind people in the locker room were talking yes. about, well, you know, it's it's eleven of us and we didn't do enough. I wish somebody would have been a little more forceful to say, you know, what what can you know you do to help Sam? Well, we can we we can not get him beat up and and sacked and, and injured. Uh, I, I, I wish there was a little bit more of that. And you know, we were talking in the press room. What's real? This is one of those really, really strange dynamics to where I can make a strong case that the injury mucks it up. But you can make a strong case that they shouldn't have done this. That Matt Ryan is the reason they're three, three and one. You know, he's led three and a half fourth quarter comebacks, overtime comebacks. But he's also the reason that they're three, three and one with the losses. So they they just they just could no longer tolerate the mistakes that were that some of the, most of them were his. I mean, some of the interceptions were forced, some of them weren't. Uh, so it was sort of like they they sort of had to do it. I would much rather, and this is just me. I would much rather if they had come out on Monday and said, you know, Matt Matt's hurt, the shoulders, you know, sprained shoulder, grade two, blah blah, and he's going to miss a game or two. And until then, Sam's our quarterback, and then we'll reevaluate. To just say, you know, right yeah. now Sam's our quarterback for the rest of the season, that just that just kind of left Matt hanging out to dry. And I don't know how, barring injuries to, to Ellinger or Foles, you go back to Matt Ryan. I don't know how you do it. Hey, Mike, do you view this at all as a surrender? 
No, I, yeah, no, no. Uh, and boy, 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 Frank took umbrage to that. You know, where that's not in our DNA. And what do you, I mean? And he should say that. If if I'm, but I tell you one thing. We talked to guys in the locker room, and the overriding word was shocked. You know, I'm shocked. I was shocked at the coach's decision, but I'm shocked. And it wasn't one or two guys. It was a lot of them. If I'm, if they're waving the white flag, what do you think DeForest Buckner and Stephon Gilmore and, and Ryan Kelly and these guys are thinking? What do you mean waving a white flag? I, you know, we got ten games to go, and and, and well, I'm not, I would I tell you keep... this. Hey, Mike, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, but I think the real tank would have been if you continued to go with Matt Ryan the way that was going. That, to me, is the thing. And I I understand that. I I totally understand. That's why I say I could argue both ways, and I think I can make a strong argument both both ways. But your point is is accurate. All I'm saying is that if I'm players and coaches and GMs with job security on the line, I and this is just me, I would rather try to get through it with Matt Ryan and hope like they had the last couple of years that things came together late and you could make a push as opposed to saying, we're going to try to get through this with a second or with a sixth round draft pick who's never played. That's my only point. But, uh, but, but you make a strong point is, is how, how long do you stick with something when it's not working? Uh, and it's totally reasonable. And I, I can't argue too much. All I'm saying is I think Ryan long run gives you a better chance to come out of this and look decent, maybe even competitive for a wild card spot, which I know it's, it's, it's crazy to think about as opposed to go on this route. But I, I can't argue too strong against what you're saying. Hey, Mike, was the reason why they just came out and said when they did that was Ellinger the rest of the year, you know, obviously with Ryan not being back, was that – because of the contractual language and trying to save money on the back end of this, is that why? That I that I don't know. I need. I, I didn't think there was anything uh, uh, game related, play related to the contract. Uh, I mean, if uh, let's say he doesn't play again the rest of this season, I don't know how. Maybe I'm just way wrong on the contract. I I, I don't I don't think it's got any you know, playtime incentives and all that, and what you owe him next year is what you owe him next year, unless you cut him before the third day of the league year and all that. I, I don't know, and if somebody knows, they, they, they can correct me, but I just didn't think this contract involved, well, if he doesn't play anymore, we, we don't owe him this, because I just I don't think there's playtime well, incentives in there. I, I thought that at the end of the year, if he can't pass a physical – then they're going to be on the hook for upwards of eight or nine more million dollars than they would otherwise. He's got because clearly, clearly at the end of the year, clearly when they're, they're able, they're going to cut him. But that, right. that was the scenario that I thought. And from everything they say, this, this is like a, a one or two or three week injury. It's not like this is a seat unless he goes out and gets right. surgery or whatever. So, so yeah, and he's due a. What, $12 million next year of his base is guaranteed. And then he's owed a seven or seven and a half million dollar roster bonus if he's on the roster the third day of the league year. So I, you know, that, so that's why I don't know that it matters if, I was going to say, if when they cut him, 
they're going to they're going to owe eight, 18 million dollars in dead money but you save 17 so i just i just don't know how he wouldn't pass his physical in 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 january because uh, you know I, I get the impression you know, he, he thought he could almost have played this week he said it would have been close uh, but you know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I am, but I, I think that's the way it is. So do you think that there's no way in the world he quarterbacks another game here? Outside of injury, I don't know how it would. I mean, again, 10 games to go, and if the line doesn't get his act together and there's still pressure and quarterbacks getting hit, then I can see them getting down to him. But I don't know how if, – if, I don't know how they get to him unless it's injury. I, I just don't. It seems like they're they're committed to finding out what Sam Ellinger can, can do. And I understand that. It, and But I thought they would have waited until December to find out what they've got. Because they need to, you know, we've talked about this. They need to find their quarterback next offseason in the draft. They just have to. And at some level, you got to know what you have on Ellinger. You, you just, you, you need to know if he's, is he a possible starter? Is is he is he simply going to be a long term backup? Which there's nothing wrong with that. But I I, I don't know. It, it, it's it's such a mess. And and until they until they get the quarterback thing fixed long term, here's where we are. I just I I just don't know how this thing plays out. I I you know the the one stat I threw out there which stunned me is. Since 1966, they've had one quarterback, Colts quarterback, win his first career start. One. And it was Chris Chandler in 1988. So it's not like, you know, there's a lot of reason. Well, you know, this guy did it and this guy did it. No, one guy did it. Uh, I hope he plays well. I, I hope the team gets his act together. But, but if the other parts don't play better, if the offensive line doesn't play better, if they can't run the ball, you want Sam throwing the ball 50 times? I mean, really? So it, it's so much more than just Sam Ellinger and hoping it works out. Because if it doesn't work out, it's going to be a long November and December in Indianapolis. I agree. It's Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. I brought this up. Kevin Bowen and I had a spirited discussion yesterday because he is all on board with, you, you know, you got to check out. All these alternatives of other teams that yeah. may want guys that make sense to trade uh, by the Tuesday trade deadline. I countered with this. To me, with a team that right now is 3 3 and 1, and really, whether you're 3 3 and 1 or 3 4 and 1 or 3 3 and 2, you've got to be really careful how you handle this because, in the eyes of a lot of Colts fans, you're still in it. So if you go off on what some people could get in their mind as a fire sale before the trade deadline happens, you can lose some folks around here more than you're losing folks right now. You believe that? Oh, you'd lose. You'd, you'd lose. Frank was at, I can't remember who it was. One of our guys asked Frank if going to, to Sam was, was the sign of you're waving the white flag. And again, again, Frank pushed back. Frank pushed back, and he should have. But. If you start, I'm not talking uh, uh, getting rid of four or five guys. If you get rid of one guy, if you get rid of now, Kevin asked a really good question to, to Ryan, and that was, "Have you thought about asking for a trade?" That that was a really good question, and <laughs> Ryan didn't say no. 
what he said was, hey, it's only been two days. So, but if I'm Matt Ryan, why wouldn't you? I'm not sure what you could get for him or, or how many people would need him, but, but this is a guy that in the right situation, which we thought it was going to be here, can play. He, he can play when, when he's not under siege. Uh, so I, I can see some playoff team that, you know, maybe doesn't like their backup or whatever. I, I could see that. But if they go and, and you know, Stefan Gilmore or, or I don't know, I'm sure you guys threw all the names out, Ryan Kelly, DeForest Buckner. Yeah, and Gawkway, just guys like that, yeah. If, 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 they, if they get rid of a guy like that, what else is it telling you that other than, you're you're looking ahead to next year. I, I don't know what what other message you, you could be sending to your fan base. And, and again, uh, I can't remember if it was Kevin. No, no, it was the guy who was uh, uh, the guy we I work with at Fox 59, and and, and he was saying, "No, this is a good thing because hey, if it goes in the dumpster, look what you're doing to your to to, to your draft stock next year. You're you're really getting prime." You know, a, a prime draft pick. Well, you want to sell that to your to your fan base in November, December, and and yeah, and, and bank on next year. And and again, if, if that they'll never say that, of course. But if they if they make moves in that direction, what what message does that tell your veterans that are still here? Naheem Hines and all these guys, they don't care about next year. They 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 don't care about rebuilding and maybe we get a quarterback because things change and, and 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 maybe the roster changes big and all that stuff so i i can't imagine a player on that roster would embrace if we're really bad this year look at the draft picks we can get next year i i just think that that doesn't happen maybe a portion of the fan base would like that but boy having to go through there's 10 games to play that's what's crazy we've had all of this going on and there's still 10 games to play and you can look on that as good and bad but but it, it there still is if, if they could just get their act together there's still a chance it, it, and it's not a you know a buster douglas chance against mike tyson they still got a chance to do something but only only if they start playing offense like they know what they're doing defensive playing lights out special teams you know hit and miss well the kicker's been pretty good but I, I I don't think it's a I I don't think they're they're, they're cashing in this year. But if Sunday doesn't go well and and, and yeah. then they decide to make some moves, then the fan base is going to have to accept it because it's really kind of obvious what they're doing. Well, and and here's how I I look at it as well. I think that again Sunday is going to be the tail of the tape, so to speak. I think that that they take their cue off of. You know, and that and the interest that you may or may not get from other teams out there. But I, I mean, it, it, you're right. And see, the other thing, Mike, what have we heard recently about this team or this organization over and over? Well, you know, they're slow starters. They get their act together and then right. they close. And that, I mean, so much of this stuff flies against what they have talked about, what they have sold people around here. And I completely would understand why people would be ultra pissed 
if they would end up going down that path. Completely understand it. And the other thing is, too, it's all about trying to get up for what these these three elite-level quarterbacks. And, Mike, there is not a chance in hell they get up there for that. They've got like four or five teams in front of them, legitimately in front of them. They are too good to get up to where they need to get one of those guys. Right, and that's the problem. And, and, and this league does not reward mediocrity. You got to, you know, that, that's why you get luck. That's why you got Peyton Manning is because you were awful. You were awful the year before, and, and that, that's so. You're right because it's one thing to say, well, you know, whatever it costs to move up in the draft to get that guy, you do it. But if there's two or three teams ahead of you that have no intention of trading that pick, you've got no chance. So it, it's it's really going to be interesting, and and that that's why. But again, they've got to come out of the draft with with a guy that that they can. God, I hate to say live with because that's that's hardly a way to, to to build a franchise. But we've said this until the cows come home. Until they get this quarterback thing fixed, it ain't going to matter. And and what's crazy is I, I, I was on board as much as anybody. We thought that they had the quarterback thing fixed for at least a year, maybe two, with Matt Ryan. I, I was, I was much more on board with this than I was with Wentz. Although I thought Wentz might be a long term, a four or five year guy, but I was really on board with with Ryan. I, not in my wildest dreams, did I think the offensive line would play like this, and then they've turned Jonathan Taylor into just another guy. And we've talked about this. He's not just another guy. He's a he's a stud. But they made him look like just a guy, and uh, maybe Santa's his mobility and getting outside the pocket, and he can help the run game. Maybe that's going to help. But until the offensive line gets its act together, it's hard to see this team doing much of anything. I've said that the entire time. And Mike Chapel joins us that it, it's the only way this is going to work is if the offensive line plays better. And the problem you have with that is we're going to see a dude, Mike. Coming up on Sunday, and I screamed and yelled and whined and cried and do what I normally do here on this show from 3 to 6 about Charles Leno Jr. Yeah. And that was not prioritized. They went a different direction. That guy is solid, maybe not spectacular, but solid taking over for Trent Williams. And the Colts are left with, you know, this, you know, revolving door of dudes this season that Chris Ballard completely screwed the pooch on. And what's worse, and what's going to point out even more, is they're putting Tariq Glenn in the Ring of Honor on Sunday. <laughs> one, one of the greatest Colts and a left tackle that you just would kill for. And maybe he can come out and play some more. I'm, I'm sure he's not exactly in football shape. But, yeah, it, it's uh, – it, and, again, that, that's going to be one of the one of the things, again, that, that you have to deal with in the offseason is left tackle and – I, I still think you can sort of make do at right guard, which that's been a problem too. You can't make do at left tackle. You you can't, you can't hide. You can't hide a weakness at left tackle. And and you're right. There's a lot of people. A lot of people. You know, lobbying for for Leno, and, and instead they didn't go that way. And here they are. Here they are. All right. So I think we both. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna gauge her, and, and hopefully, this is a Disney movie or a Disney script, and things work out, and we don't have to go here. 
But listen, this is the Colts. When's the last time we had a Disney script around here? Really for any sports around here. When's the last yeah, Jim time? Har- Jim so, Harbaugh taking him to the AFC Championship game in 1995, maybe. Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing Disney-worthy we've seen yeah, certainly in a while that surprises everybody. But I would have to ask you this. I, th- I think we both are on the same page as far as Frank Reich, ultimately at the end of a disappointing year, ultra-disappointing year being on the hook. And I think we both thought that Chris Ballard wouldn't be there too. But has Chris Ballard kind of moved on that bubble with the – the chain of events that are happening and that still could happen here at the end of the year? God, I hope not. And I hope it doesn't happen to Frank. I I, I think he's done a, a good job. Uh, the quarterback thing has really hamstrung him, and everybody's got their hand in there. Keep in mind, everybody, everybody embraced Matt Ryan. They had to be talked, they had to be talked into Carson Wentz, but everybody embraced Matt Ryan, so everybody's got their hand in it. It's a bottom-line business, and Frank went out of his way, and I understand that you know, they've won more than they've lost here, and it's been with five different quarterbacks going on six, and you know, sort of would, they've overachieved at some level. But, but still, the, the playoffs hasn't been what they've needed, what one playoff win. So, boy, would, would Jimmy just totally blow it up? I don't know. I, I, I hope not because I, I hate to see – guys unemployed i just i've been around a long time i just hate to see and it's awkward to talk about but i don't i don't know how they stay the same i i i don't know what could happen to make them say status quo going into the off season now whether that's the coach and the gm or whether it's one or i don't know but i it's pretty it's pretty easy to say that Something is going to change, and it depends on what your something, how, how much something you want that to be. Yeah. Uh, well, honestly, I, I don't. I, if Frank goes, Chris deserves to go too. I don't want to see anybody fired. You know, I, I'm not that type of dude. But you know, if Frank ends up going, Chris is the one that puts this together, and the building blocks of this team on the offensive side, what he put together, what he believed in, his blueprint. It's failed miserably, and there's no way around that. So I'm sure that that's for future days, but that's what I'm kind of thinking about right here as far as, you know, the future of this team and, you know, if those decisions have to be made. Hey, Mike, before I let you go, 90% as I had heard, I guess, Jim Mercer's decision on this quarterback change? Only 90? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, I was yeah. giving a little bit of fairness to the general manager and the coach, but yeah, yes, yeah, I, you're right. I, I, I'd love to know. I'd love to know how, how the dynamics were. I don't think Frank would have made this move. And, and again, they get the injury, which messes it up. But I don't think there's a chance in at all that, that Frank was in favor of turning away from Ryan just be, just because his job his job's on the line for crying out loud. Uh, th- this is this is one of those where. The owner uh, had input. Let's put it that way. And, and yeah, I, I, I hope we don't, and I don't think he will, to get too hands-on, but this was one where he just thought that he he had at some level to intervene, and here we are. I don't I, – that's not good, though. Would you agree? <laughs> I mean yeah. the the the, the, yeah. the whole Scooby Doo meddling kids approach. That's not that's not good. 
No, it's not. It's not. Because uh, we've seen, for the most part, he's not done that. Now, he did, he did right. with Carson Wentz. He did with Carson Wentz. Well, he, uh, he, he did it with Frank that. Reich. He did it with the head coach. I mean, he, you know, he took the information from those that he firmly trusted the most and then made that informed decision on that coach. That was, that was him. But I, I um, you know, th- this was his decision to go to Ryan. I mean, he put the mandate down yep. to make the change from Wentz and go to Ryan. I mean, this is, be- this is becoming pretty familiar, right, with him coming down yeah. with those decisions. The fact has been twice in, in less than, gosh, January. Uh, yeah, and I think that's probably showing his, his impatience with things. Although, keep in mind, again, he, he, was, he, he was fully embracing – Ryan as well. No one had to sell anybody on Matt Ryan. So that's why, again, it was, it's, it's as much of, it's as much of what's, what's happened around Ryan as Ryan. Yeah. And I, I just, I've mentioned before, the only way I can characterize the move to Ellinger is desperation because like you, like, like you pointed out, you couldn't keep doing what you're doing. And that's why to some level, Matt Ryan sort of forced the issue with two more interceptions and a pick six. I tell you, when you hold, when a defense holds a team to three field or to four field goals, and you lose by nine points, that that's it. You just can't have that. So yeah, it, it, it's not good to have an, an owner two two hands on. But I think this just showed you that his, his frustration level. I tell you, if if they didn't win in Denver in overtime, this might have happened earlier. Yeah, I completely, I completely agree. I just, um, yeah, I, I, as much as we we both like Jim Irsay a great deal, there's no doubt about that. You, uh, it's, it's not worked out. <laughs> it's not worked out. You hire somebody and let those people handle it, and then. If they don't think, if you don't think they can handle it any longer, you got to do something about it. Which I, I think clearly, with some of these actions, that's the point at which he is right now. So, well, and again, like I said, we got ten, we got ten games to go, and it could go in different directions. Uh, I, I'm I'm hopeful, but not optimistic on the quarterback change, only because history says it seldom works, uh, especially when the people are around. Agreed. Aren't working, so I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I'll, I'll put it that way. Hey, if you were here right now, I'd get you drunk and you'd feel a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, to make me feel better, come over and, and mulch my leaves on my rental property. I, 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 I can't, I I've can't done it do twice already. I can't, well, I've done it twice. I normally do that, but but I, I can't get there until Saturday, and it's going to be. I'm going to be up to my ass and leaves. It's going to take me two hours to mulch part of my hey. lawn and. Part of the problem, part of the problem is, it's been so dry, and then you get that day of rain, and they all come down at once, man. I mean, there's no progression to it. They all come down at once. You know, there's a remedy for this, and I've been telling my wife we need to get like pay a thousand bucks and have these two trees taken down. Uh, You know, (laughs) because man, you gotta have trees, man. Yeah, trees, trees are good. Yeah, they're yeah. They come over and mulch my leaves, and then I'll tell you how good they are. So. <laughs> my, y'all, see, y'all see where I grew up, man. But my, my mom still lives. There's not. It's it's all trees. 
She got 40 yeah. acres, basically basically 40 acres, 38 of which she's not seen in 30 years, right? <laughs> so butts up against Crane, and that's all it is is leaves, man. That's it. So anyway. Yep. All right, buddy. I appreciate you. I'll see you down there coming up on Sunday afternoon. See you Sunday. It's Mike Chappell at CBS 4 and Fox 59.